This is Deacon Greg sharing walking in the way of love. Bless. Now, Sunday evening, during our contemplative and Compline service, Father T.J. Humphrey added to his homily from Sunday morning service that I shared with you yesterday. Now, he took a little different view of the same gospel reading. And after listening to the Monday morning service, I was so excited about the way he looked at the passage and how so much of the Bible now begins to click and make sense in a little bit different way that I was surprised during the Compline service when he added to that and looked at it a little differently. And he called the homily Exclusion Part 2. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The way of Jesus permits only one kind of exclusion, the exclusion of exclusion itself. One of the reasons why this story about the Canaanite woman and Jesus is so beautiful is that it really has a way of breaking down all of our partisan categories. And we have to come to grips with the fact that one of the reasons why it initially is so confusing to us is because we have habituated ourselves into thinking only in terms of our beloved partisan categories. Categories this little wisdom story blatantly rejects. But because of how we often approach this text, our reading of the text can be quite shallow. And we end up either sympathizing with Jesus or sympathizing with the woman in the story, depending on which side of the conservative liberal line we happen to be on. It doesn't work out this way all the time, but I think probably a good chunk of the time it does. But if we find in response to this story that we're choosing sides, we can be certain that we've not at all understood the story. In fact, we've only unveiled a bit of our foolishness. 
If we find ourselves sympathizing with Jesus, for example, thinking he was right to refuse aid to a foreigner, thinking he was right to call a woman a dog, thinking he was right to exclude her because she wasn't a member of his religion, we have shown how little we actually understand Jesus and have proven ourselves to be lacking in the transformation of mind that the gospel calls us to. But on the other hand, if we conclude that Jesus himself needs to be excluded somehow because of his words, that this story needs to be removed from the Bible or erased from Christian memory because in it Jesus is not as politically correct as we'd like him to be, we've also shown how little we actually understand Jesus and have proven just that we too have fallen short of the vision of the kingdom of God. Exclusion is not the point of this story, whether it comes in the form of excluding the marginalized or excluding the excluder. For most of us, I hate that I have to say this, but for most of us with any sort of moral backbone, it's easy to understand why we should not seek to exclude those who are oppressed. It's the other lesson in this gospel story that is probably the bitterer pill to swallow. As much as we may think that the world would be a better place if we could just exclude those people who exclude others, if we were able to actually create a culture where we could exclude all excluders, we would only be perpetuating the problem, not solving it, because thus we would become the excluders. Importantly, this does not mean that people, especially those who are marginalized and oppressed, doesn't mean that they should become doormats in the face of oppression. But excluding the excluder is the way of the oppressor, the way of oppression, not the way of the liberated. In this story, not even the Messiah himself could have convinced this Canaanite woman that she was an outsider. And when on the surface of the story, it looked as though he was excluding her, she never excluded or belittled him in return. In order to understand this unusual story, not only its meaning, but how it is seeking to interact with us, we have to see it as a wisdom teaching. It's more like a Buddhist koan saying than anything else. Koans are sayings that are not meant to convey a verbal teaching or historical truth as much as they are meant to unveil the authenticity of a disciple's experience, in this case, the authenticity of the Canaanite woman. As one author has said, though, when it comes to koans, the issue is not a correct answer, but the depth of one's experience in life. Jesus was not excluding this woman. He was revealing her as the sage that she was. He knew that nothing he said would diminish her love or break the bond of unity that she shared with both him and his disciples. In other words, to use uh, sexy language, spiritual language these days, in other words, he projected dualistic phrases in her direction, knowing that her non-dual wisdom would be revealed. 
Jesus spoke of the lost sheep of Israel, implying a contrast between lost Hebrew sheep and Canaanite sheep. She seemed oblivious to this distinction and knelt at his feet all the same. When he made a distinction between children and dogs, she asserted that even dogs are insiders because they are inside the house eating crumbs under the table. This woman had achieved what spiritual masters call non-dual consciousness, enlightenment in other words. And in order to begin to understand this story, we have to have tasted of this blessed state, even just a little bit, ourselves. As it turns out, we actually don't read this story as much as it reads us. It really is truly a wisdom story. Because how we see it reveals just how much or how little we've been given the eyes to see. Jesus' major preoccupation in his earthly life was about getting people to see things differently. His central message was one of repentance and one of the kingdom of God's nearness. The two things correlate. In the original language, repent simply means a transformation of the mind or a shift in consciousness. In other words, the call is to shift from dualistic thinking to non-dualistic thinking. So as long as we think the kingdom of God is still far away from us, we are still far away from the type of perspective that Jesus is calling us to. As long as we begin every thought from a place of division, we are still far away from the unitive vision that Jesus is calling us to. As long as we continue to see barriers between ourselves and others, as long as we let ourselves think in an us-versus-them, outsider-versus-insider sort of dynamic, not only will this story utterly confuse us, but we will also not understand Jesus or the kingdom he proclaimed. If we want to discover the path of wisdom and follow in the true way of Jesus and actually know what Christianity is really all about, we must learn from the Canaanite woman. We must learn what it means to exclude our inclination towards an exclusion. Thank you for joining me on my walk in the way of love. Until next time, may you stay safe and healthy and share the love of the Lord.